Okay, welcome everybody to our experience, the ASCP podcast. I'm Chad Wurz, uh, your host. Um, my tag team partner, Tom Hansel, is not on this morning, but we do have three special guests that are in town for our ASCP board retreat, and they are the triumvirate of ASCP, our, our presidents. So we have our um, past president, chair, Gene Manzi, our current president, Deborah Melito, and our president-elect, Marsh Meyer. So welcome, everybody. Thank Good morning, Chad. Good morning. I think what we'll do is let's just quickly have each of you just give a little bit of background on, on yourself. Uh, maybe Gene and Deborah, a little bit of uh, background on your experience as presidents, and then we'll kind of go from there. So Gene, why don't you start? Sure. So um, I've actually been a member of ASCP since 1997, back in the day. Um, and I've just gotten very involved with a lot of people, network, met people along the way. It's just been, I consider it like my family because it's its everyone. It's just such a comfortable place. Um, and I love attending the annual meetings and um, being president last year was a phenomenal experience. I got to travel around the country, speak to students at a lot of different pharmacy schools and talk to them about careers in geriatrics and how they can get involved in geriatrics, which was, was just amazing. Um, we did kind of relaunch the student ambassador program, which has become um, in one year, it's just it's over doubled in size. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do this year because what they did last year was very impressive. Awesome. So, thank you, yep. Deborah. Yes. So I, I'd like to. Uh, that's a great segue, Gene. What you said about like a family. Uh, that was actually the title of my acceptance speech was family uh, at annual meeting uh, back on October 26th of this year. Uh, it's just such an honor to be um, named the president of ASCP, and I, I join a very long line of very capable uh, presidents, and I've learned a lot by observing and listening um, for all the years that I've been involved with ASCP, which is about 18. Uh, I started out as an um, active member of my state chapter, which is Pennsylvania. We're in Region B. And um, from there, I became the chair of the Antimicrobial Stewardship and Infection Prevention and Control Committee. And then um, I ran for the board, but I, I didn't win. And, and I got more involved with ASCP by becoming the, fellow, the chair of the fellowship committee. And then I, I made it to the board and um, ran for president uh, not once, but twice. And on the second time, I was successful. So here I am uh, today. And we're having our very first board retreat in many years, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, Chad and I started talking about this back in, I think it was May, when we were in Rockville, Maryland for um, another um, conference that we both attended. So I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Marsha. Well, good morning, everyone. So everybody's throwing out those, I've been with ASCP dates. Well, mine's back in the 80s. So I've been a member since like 1987 um, and I lived in a couple of states. So was involved with ASCP in different states. Um, my longest tenure, I've been in California for about 25 years and that's where I am now. Um, I was on the board of directors for several years uh, in the past and my practice or my focus since the eighties has always been in geriatrics. I've worked in different aspects of the field um, and nursing home uh, consultant, ran a pharmacy, worked for a med ed company. And um, my focus over time has also 
uh, come to a, uh, really land in the um, at-home communities where seniors live at home, not necessarily in um, a structured setting is where my passion is. So it's a whole new year for me to figure out what um, how I can contribute best to ASCP in these next upcoming years. And apparently I have really big steps to fill behind. So I'll look for the team to give me a lot of help and guidance. And anybody out there who wants to whisper things in my ear, please feel free to contact me somehow. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think you can get a sense from the three of you that the diversity of the practice settings that our pharmacists participate in. Um, I think if you go back to the late 60s when ASCP was founded, it was founded really, you know, we I think on the, the premise that a consultant pharmacist, pharmacist was a nursing home consulting a local community pharmacy about how to take care of people that are in these new nursing homes. How do we bring meds in? How do we handle them? And really the the profession and the sector kind of evolved from there. And really along two fronts, the logistics front, how do you store, handle, deliver, administer medications in nursing settings like nursing homes? And that obviously expanded into assisted living and into PACE pace environments and other settings? And then how do you clinically manage somebody that's on 10, 12 medications? And we got all of the, what we might consider today, the consultant pharmacist, uh, we got all of the clinical aspects of, of that. But listening to all of your backgrounds, you touch community settings, you're in, in some ways, you're in the purchasing of medications world. Uh, you've uh, done things in managed care and education Corrections is a is a piece of some of your backgrounds. So it's really a broad diversity that you bring to leadership. And that's important because ASCP is expanding as the population sort of grows over the age of 65. And we find our pharmacist members in all different places now, um, not really just limited to dispensing in a long-term care pharmacy or consulting in a in a nursing home capacity. It's gotten much broader than that. I think that's interesting. I think one of the things that you also talk about is students. And if there's one like overriding profession of pharmacy problem right there, right now, it's, it's work environment. And we all hear about uh, the, the chain drug stores and the working conditions at chain drug stores. Um, and we're all conscious of that. We're a little insulated in long-term care. We don't Fortunately, fingers crossed, have those kinds of work environment problems. Most pharmacists are coming into long-term care or into the senior care space because it represents a better job uh, opportunity for them. But we still keep our eye on it. And we still recognize that the vast majority of students and the public, when they hear pharmacist, pharmacy, they think of that CVS on the corner, that Walgreens on the corner. Um, and it's not painting a pretty picture of the profession right now. Any comments on that? Well, you know, Chad, I've actually seen um, some anecdotal stories about guidance counselors in high schools steering students away from the practice of pharmacy because of what has been posted on so many different social media outlets that, um, you know, terrible hours, you know, it's not, it's not a good place to work in those retail pharmacies. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people have the idea that that's the only place pharmacists work. So what we are trying to do with the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists 
is to show students and new practitioners, there's a lot of different places out there that you can work. It's not just in a retail setting, you know, and, and hoping that the retail setting uh, becomes better for pharmacists. I mean, that would be good for everyone uh, because they're taking care of our seniors as well. So we want to make sure that everyone has a home that they can call, you know, ASCP, they can call that a home because they're taking care of seniors. We can help them with education about that. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think that we need to, uh, everyone needs to work on painting a, a nicer picture of, of really what a pharmacist can do, especially with taking care of our seniors. Absolutely. Right, Deborah, and I would agree with that because I know when I was traveling and talking to students, it's either they think they can go into retail or hospital. And it's, there's so much, so many more different opportunities in pharmacy now. And what I was explaining too, if you want to get involved in long-term care, you don't just have to be a consultant pharmacist, you know, doing the, the traditional chart reviews in nursing homes. But I was saying you could work in, in the actual pharmacy that, that supplies the, the nursing homes with medications. You can learn how operational pharmacy works at getting medications to the long-term care um, institution. So it's not like your CVS. It's not like your Walgreens. They're not putting bottles, you know, making um, vials of, of medications, pills, and sending them out. There's actually compliance packaging. There's bingo cards. There's a whole different world of dispensing there. And I think some a lot of students were asking me questions about that. Like, they never thought, like, oh, I could, could go work for a vendor pharmacy as a pharmacist. So, that, like I said, there's just so many untapped resources within long-term care that it's just, it's senior care pharmacy now. It's not just long-term care. So there's a lot more to it. 100%. And... And uh, I haven't had the experiences these other two ladies have this year, but I think it's really important that we, again, have students understand and focus on not all seniors live in an institutional setting. All the people that they touch every day, all day long, those pharmacists in CVS and Walgreens and other places have an opportunity to positively impact the health of an older adult in their practice. A little bit of different spin, but it's still taking care of um, seniors wherever they live. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to have 19 million more people over the age of 65 in five years. We, have, we only have 50, I shouldn't say we only have, we have 57 million. So that 19 is is quite a jump from what we have today. And that's just thinking of the age group as plus 65. If you look at plus 80, it's doing the same thing, almost at a more aggressive pace. So our oldest of our older adult population is is growing and our older adult population is growing in a way that the country's never seen before. And as people that work in healthcare, whether it's pharmacy or physicians or nursing, um, we're going to be really stressed between now and probably 2050, trying to get our hands around how do we best take care of people. Um, I know people have always asked like, you know, you work in nursing homes or you worked in nursing homes, you know, those are going to go away, right? Nobody likes those. Yes and no, they can't really go away because we have so many people that require 24-7 nursing services that become so um, sophisticated from a medical standpoint that there'll be a place for them. It may not get bigger. Skilled nursing might not get bigger, but the population is huge. And what we're going to do in assisted living and at home and in pace is going to look a lot like a nursing home patient from 20 years ago. And we're going to have to pivot and innovate and pharmacists are going to have to figure out how to do all these things in different settings than um, the traditional skilled nursing facility. So that 
that's a big driver, I think, of our priorities at ASCP over the next coming years is to really figure out what that looks like and make sure that policymakers and Congress are thinking ahead as well. You know, that that person that gets admitted to the nursing home today in five years is not going to be admitted to the nursing home. Um, maybe the government has evolved a place for them in an assisted living environment. Um, maybe we've developed enough technology and resources that that person can uh, age in place at home effectively. Uh, and we're going to have to be on top of that. And our pharmacists are going to have to be on top of that. And a lot of them are out there doing it right now. They're innovating ahead of the curve. Um, so part of it is recognizing that, making sure that they're speaking at our meetings and and we're amplifying that what they're doing to our membership so that we can all learn and grow together. So what are some of your individual priorities for 2024? Let's let's do that again. Should we go backwards? Should we start with Marsha? Let's start with Marsha. It's a lot harder, Marsha. <laughs> so start with Marsha. Okay. So I'm 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 still in a an idea capture being a sponge, uh, soaking up things that are presented to me as opportunities where we can um, enhance our practice. Um, I am interested. Um, in how state chapters are functioning, because I think we need local support, and and you know a lot of these things that we want to accomplish need to happen at a you know local level. I'm interested in seeing how we can enhance skills and opportunities for pharmacists to I'm going to call them the non-traditional role, as as Chad was talking about. So the um, not not working in in the halls of the nursing home, but in the community, and. I'll just start with stop with those two things. Those are things I'm thinking about really right now and supporting all the other initiatives that ASCP has and the things that are on Deborah's agenda, particularly this year. Awesome. Deborah. So I have um, several items in my leadership plan. Uh, one of them is uh, we keep going back to students, but you know, students really are our future. And so we have a very, um, dynamic group and it's new practitioners, students, student ambassadors, pharmacy residents. I think I'm ca capturing everyone. Anyway, that group, that committee is very active. And what they're, they're trying to do is to provide resources for other student ambassadors to, um, you know, go out into different colleges of pharmacy and talk about what um, what ASCP has to offer to students. And so that that's one avenue. The other item would be that I would like our members of ASCP to go and speak at their uh, college of pharmacy that perhaps they graduated from, or they live nearby, or they know a professor that could be an advisor. And we actually have a PowerPoint that talks all about ASCP that they could take with them and, and show, and it highlights everything that ASCP has to offer. So those are um, two things from that committee that are on my leadership plan that um, I'm going to challenge all of our members and or students to try to do this year. And I had wanted to increase the amount of student ambassadors um, by like 25%. Well, it's already increased by 75% with 
up too much work. And so that's been achieved already. Um, I also changed some committees around a little bit. I, I moved the women's leadership group into JEDI, which is the Justice and Equity and Inclusion Committee, because they were already doing women's leadership. So that was added to that. Um, as far as the, um, the MSL group, the Medical Science Liaison, we changed that to the Medical Affairs Group. And that's another group that um, I think a lot of students and new practitioners maybe don't know enough about. So we wanted to educate um, students and new members and new practitioners that, you know, there's a whole medical affairs group out there that isn't, you don't have to be an MSL. There are different, um, different things that you could pursue. So we're, um, we're, we're doing more with that group. So those are a couple of things that, that I have in my leadership plan. I'm very excited to be talking about some other items today at the retreat. Awesome. Jean? Uh, well, I think just exactly what Marsha and Deborah are saying, this, you know, students are definitely a priority. They are our future members, um, hopefully. And then uh, Marsha with the grassroots, working with the, the state chapters, I think that's so important just to get everything down to a state level, because not everybody can travel to an annual meeting or can travel. You know, people want to do what's important to them in their own um, residence where they live. So in their area. So I think that's they're both very important. So, and as chairman of the board this year, just um, move forward with the board, support Deborah, support Marsha in anything that they want to do. And um, I think it's just, it's one happy family. <laughs> Spoken like a good chair. I like that. Right. <laughs> All right, let's pivot to another question. What does it mean to each of you to be a pharmacist? It's a deep question. We'll start in the middle this time with Deborah. Okay, so I knew that I always wanted to be in healthcare. And um, I have a twin sister, and she and I both were part of the medical explorers group at our local hospital. And we really liked that. And we sort of thought med school, then we thought nursing, but then we happened upon pharmacy. And I've never looked back. Um, we both got accepted to Duquesne University and got our BSs there. And then we raised a family, started to work full time in a hospital. And um, we, we had some correspondence about a non-traditional program uh, for PharmD at Duquesne. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did was to complete that program, but it made me a better pharmacist to become a PharmD. So um, I know uh, there's so many opportunities these days for students to just automatically get that, but we didn't have that opportunity. So I was glad that I did that. And then um, the next thing that I did to become a better pharmacist was to get board certified in my area of expertise, which is, which is geriatric pharmacy. Um, that, that was very valuable to me, continues to be very valuable to me. And ASCP offers so many webinars that you can receive BCGP credits. So that's been a very good opportunity. And then COVID came along and um, that became the second hardest thing I ever did was to operationalize a COVID clinic, but it taught me a lot about my endurance and what I could do and couldn't do. So um, I just think that, you know, providing pharmaceutical care, I mean, those were the two words that I think we all learned early on in our pharmacy careers is, you know, providing the, the best opportunity to our um, residents and patients uh, and then following up for, 
to see what the outcome is. So uh, it's always meant a lot to me. I think it's a very respected uh, position to have. And um, there's just so many different opportunities I've had by being a pharmacist. Okay, Jean. So I knew that I wanted to be a pharmacist since 11th grade of high school. I was 15 years old and my mom had worked in a, in a local uh, mom and pop pharmacy as just as a cashier. So I went, um, to, uh, she introduced me to the pharmacist. He showed me around and I thought it was just very interesting, the whole idea of pharmacy and medications and how they actually work in all different places in the body. So I became a pharmacist in 1990. I had done a rotation at Parker Jewish uh, Nursing Home in New Hyde Park with Dr. Judy Beiser, who's been a longtime member of ASCP. And she actually got me to join ASCP in 1997. And then I took the board certification in geriatrics exam in 1998. Um, and I've been renewed since then. And I think geriatrics is my passion. Like I knew I love pharmacy, but geriatrics is just really what I absolutely love. And it, it helped me actually as being a pharmacist and being board certified in geriatrics. My grandparents were young grandparents um, I, and it helped me to help them as they aged. And I watched them go through the aging process. When I was born, my grandparents were only in their 40s. So just to see them in their 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s was just an amazing experience. So being a pharmacist for me, it's I love the profession and I, I love how it applies to everyone. And now my own parents are aging. They're in their 70s. So obviously we're going to go through the same similar routine. But it's, I love having that knowledge because not every older adult has somebody to look out for them, to speak up for them, to make sure that their medications are safe. So I was just happy to provide that for my family and and other others as well. I mean, aunts and uncles, but but really my grandparents and my parents is just so important to me. Awesome. So it's been awesome. Marsha. <clears throat> So I'm going to, I have similar histories as both of these past ladies. Uh, I had a family friend and a relative as I was growing up who they were pharmacists. And I kind of knew I wanted to be a pharmacist in high school too. So it's been a direct path of mine. So I, I did all that. I went to school in Virginia, um, practiced in a couple different settings, found uh, nursing home pharmacy, geriatrics pharmacy, and loved that and decided that was the practice area or the patient focus I was going to have in my practice. So likewise, I then lived in California. My mother lived in Virginia and unfortunately my mother had a lot of health conditions. So as I'm watching her age and age, I'm thinking, who's going to help my mother? She's not, she doesn't need to be in a nursing home. She's very independent, but she's got a lot of stuff going on. So every, you know, frequently when we would call, she'd say, oh, I got a new prescription from the doctor. It's blah, blah, blah. And I would start doing the counseling thing on the phone. She says, I've already asked my pharmacist. I said, good. Pharmacists are good. We like pharmacists. I said, but, and I would ask her different questions than maybe she was getting information from, uh, you know, in an isolated incident. So I kind of steered my practice then to be able to focus on helping those people who don't have the re the resources, not necessarily financial or anything like that. They just don't know that they can go to pharmacists in the community because they're not in an established residential setting where they're, there's a pharmacist accessible to them. So that's how my path went that way. But I think I've wanted to be a pharmacist for a really long time. It's awesome. I think it's awesome because it's all... It's very personal for all of us, like how we got started, where we got started. I think there are some things that I think are, um, we've moved away from that I think has hurt the profession a little bit. And Jean mentioned being 15 
Um, Deborah mentioned being on Medical Explorers. I started at 14. Like you can't do that anymore. Like my kids can't do that anymore. They can't go work at a pharmacy until they're, I don't know what it is in Virginia, it might be 18 years old. So they've, we've lost some early exposure to people about the profession. Um, that's kind of a shame because I think we all have some sort of longstanding exposure that got us into this profession. And then it becomes, to all of your points, very personal. You know, there's no, nobody, you know, most 99% of people don't go through life without ever taking a medication. And there are implications of that. And it is interesting to have your own personal experiences with family members um, and being able to help them that really reinforce why you did this with your career and why you do this for other people. So it's really pretty fun and pretty awesome. And like we've said on this podcast, it's it's going to become faster and more furious over the next few years as the the population ages and the frequency that we may be getting phone calls from family members um, and certainly in the community with our practices is going to become a lot more. It's so rewarding, really, Chad. It's just it just to know that you help people that can't always help themselves or don't have family that can help them. You can help them in a different way and provide safe medication use. Yeah, and I think that's probably part of what the the frustrating piece of the the state of um, some parts of community practices is, is that they don't feel like they can help people. They're filling too many prescriptions, giving too many vaccines, and they don't have the time. Um, I know every time I go out and speak to groups uh, in the public, I always reinforce you need a relationship with a pharmacist. Maybe it's not the one that you go to because they're too busy, but you've got to find one somewhere that you can talk to about your medications. Um, it's easy to say when there's one in your family, but it's, it's harder for people that don't have that. But um, that's critical to, to people is finding a way to have a relationship with um, a pharmacist somewhere. All right. Any parting shots from the presidents? They're all here at ASCP headquarters, by the way. We have, we have tight security because I don't know what happened if something happened. I don't know who would take over. <laughs> but um, any, any parting shots? Well, I would say about the retreat, um, you know, we're having that so we can all get to know one another on the board a little bit more. We have some team building exercises planned and we have a very robust agenda. Uh, but I just felt like I wanted all the new people and the current people to all be on the same page so we can just hit the ground running first of the year. I mean, not that we haven't already been running because we have, but you know, I just wanted to steer everyone in the right direction and uh, I just love to be able to see everyone in person. Not everyone could attend in person today, but the majority of the board is attending in person. And I, I am so excited about getting started um, on the retreat in about oh, 15 minutes. There you go. And I would just say, I would encourage people to stay involved and actually be involved with government affairs and advocacy because that is so important. There's so much going on in DC right now. And with CMS and all these regulations that come down, you know, we need to be at the table, having a voice and saying, giving our input about what works for older adults and what doesn't work for older adults. And I think that we don't want to have a, a regulation passed and then try to fix it. We would like to be at the table before it gets passed. So it is actually worded and and has regulations that we 
approve of. And for me, since I'm um, the newest entry into this leadership group, and my one of my jobs, my one of my main jobs this year is to, or the next few months, is to put together a leadership plan. As you've heard, uh, Deborah mentioned hers, and Jean had one, and I think all the president, all, all the presidents have one. So I'm really interested in hearing if uh, from anybody, any pharmacist, our our leader, our members, or any other pharmacists that uh, have ideas or things that they want to pass on because I'm in the middle of building a plan. So everybody's ideas are important and I would love to receive any of them from you. Awesome. Well, I'll parlay on something Jean said about um, next year and policy and government affairs. It's an election year. It's going to be um, crazy from that perspective, especially in the DC area. The 2016 election was determined by 28,000 votes and 2020 election by 72,000 votes, well-placed votes, but that was ultimately the number of votes that determined the presidential winner. There's 330,000 pharmacists and our issues, even when they're difficult, like workplace environment issues, can become election issues. They can become the difference between a candidate winning and losing an election. So, um, Again, getting out there, talking about what's important to us as pharmacists and to you as, as practicing pharmacists is critical. Um, and it will be critical next year um, at shaping what the platforms are and what candidates ultimately are successful at being elected. And then that in turn becomes important to us as we try to push issues legislatively and through agency. So um, absolutely have a voice and, and engage. Uh, on multiple fronts as ASCP enters 2024. Well, thanks everybody. We really appreciate you being on the the live podcast. I think this is only our second live live podcast. Um, I think we had a technical issue, issue the first time too. So that's not new for live <laughs> radio slash podcast. Uh, but thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Uh, and we look forward to a great 2024.